Well, wasn't that fun? Yeah, our William couldn't contain himself on the bass. <laughs> I, I, I went and got Mitchell water because I thought he was going to pass out on the drums. Anybody wearing Easter socks? I got my Easter socks on. Look at those. Aren't they great? Yeah. Come on. I know. You're like, that's showing too much flesh, Pastor Greg. Come on now. You're in the house of God. Amen. Uh, I love Easter. This is the highlight of the Christian calendar. Uh, you know, really, our times of our world are set around the life of Jesus Christ. I don't know if we realize that, but just it's, it's worth noting and worth celebrating that this, this day in history kind of divides the world. It, it divides those looking forward to Jesus, that's called before Christ, that's B.C., and then A.D. is Annos Domini, in the year of our Lord, everything that happens after. And so you got to understand, this is the central moment of history. This is what history from the past looked toward, and we look back upon. You know, Jesus Christ is incredible, and the love of God is displayed no more more than in Easter and what Jesus did in dying upon a cross. You think, why a cross? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. But let me tell you this scripture that tells you about the love of God. John 3, 16. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that you may need to, you don't need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to put things right again. And, you know, upon that cross that we look upon all the time, you know, it's a picture of the love of God. It's a picture of the mercy of God. But it's also a picture that speaks to us because it wasn't for his own sins that Jesus went to that cross. It was for your sins and my sins. And this is the, the meaning of the cross, the purpose of the cross. Can there be a greater symbol than the cross of Jesus Christ that shows the incredible sacrifice and love of God? And this is where this Easter weekend brings us. It brings us to a place I call the crossroads. The crossroads. And the crossroads are going to speak to us today. And they're going to invite us into a relationship with God at the end of this service. So I want to prepare you for that because I was in a service like this when I was a young man and uh, it changed my life because I responded to the cross. I responded to Christ. Listen to what the Bible says in this book of Jeremiah. This is many years ago. This was written well before the cross, but it's an incredible scripture. This is what the Lord said. Stand at the crossroads and look Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said we will not walk in it. You see, the cross, we're going to find out today, brings us to a point of decision. We're, that's what a crossroads is. When you come to a crossroads, do you turn left? Do you turn right? Do you go straight? You don't know, but you have to make a decision. And the cross today will lead us to a place of decision. 
God is inviting us to a good way, an ancient path, a place where we can have a relationship with him and really become always what we were always intended to be. I love this quote by T.S. Eliot, who I feel was a traveler looking for truth. Listen to what it says. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. May we come to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today in a new and a powerful way as we all together stand at the crossroads. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond to you. Jesus, in this house today are people that are standing at the crossroads. And I pray, Lord, that they will make a decision to follow you down the ancient path, the path of life with God. It's a good road. It's a good way. And I pray, Lord Jesus, your blessing upon your word that you will be exalted and glorified today. Help us as we stand at the crossroads. Amen and amen. Well, Easter story, let's recap it really quickly. Last week was called, uh, you know, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He comes into Jerusalem, and uh, it's, you know, it's called a triumph in the ancient world. When a king would conquer, he would come back from the war, and he would enter back into his capital city, and there would be a huge triumph. Usually they would ride on chariots or, or on stallions, and Jesus is coming in as the conquering king. He's about to become the conquering king, and it'll make sense in a minute, but it's very humorous because he rides in on the foal of a donkey. It's not like a conquest that we're expecting. He comes on a little donkey. And it's kind of like the precious moments, Jesus, you know, where it's oversized face and oversized eyes. And like, you're like, this is, this is the savior of the world? Yes, it's a picture of the peace of God that God is offering to mankind. He came not to conquer worlds, but he came to conquer the hearts and lives of men and women. And so he comes gently and humbly riding on this donkey. And they're shouting as he's riding in. They're shouting, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. They're throwing palm leaves on the ground. This is the grand entry, the triumph of the king entering into Jerusalem, predicted for thousands of years. And they're so excited. And then suddenly the whole picture changes. A week later, we're at the point of now Jesus is taken into custody at night. And on Thursday night, he's taken into custody He's beaten. He's gone through a mockery of a trial. They put a crown of thorns on him. He's been scourged almost to death. It's horrific. People wake up literally on Good Friday, and Jesus is now a criminal. He's literally marching through the streets, carrying the cross on which he is about to be crucified. And, and people are like, what is going on? Isn't this the guy that we were shouting, Hosanna? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord a week ago. And yet here he is carrying his cross. Jesus exerting so much energy and effort to carry that cross. Because remember, he's been beaten and scourged and different things. He stumbles under the weight of the cross. And we literally come to the first intersection at the crossroads where a bystander is standing at the crossroads. Let me read it. 
A certain man from Cyrene named Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross of Jesus. Imagine he's an innocent bystander. Okay, I want you to get a picture. Uh, Jerusalem is swelled to probably over 100,000 people. The city's normally 50,000. There's probably 120,000 in, in the presence of Jerusalem now. Why? It's Passover week. And Passover week is what the Jewish people celebrate way back in, when they were in slavery. They were in Egypt and a, a destroyer was coming and they had to take a lamb and sacrifice that lamb and put that blood of the lamb on their doorposts of their homes. And the, the, when, the, when the destroyer came, it passed by those houses that had the blood on them. This is called the Passover lamb. And now here's Jesus literally becoming the Passover lamb once again. But he's not just the Passover lamb for the sins of the Israelites, but he's the Passover lamb for the sins of the whole world. And so this is where we're at. We're at this crossroads. We're standing there. This guy, he's just there to celebrate Passover, and suddenly he's conscripted by the Romans, carry this man's cross. What a horrible moment for him. I don't know if his kids were with him. They're like, Daddy, 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 where are you going? And they're, he's literally having to carry the cross of Christ. So why is this guy in the story? Why is this the first intersection we meet at the crossroads? Well, I want you to understand I just prayed and asked the Lord, like, why is he here, Lord? What does this all mean? And, and I, I just thought the first thought was really beautiful to me. We're not meant to do life alone. You know, I, I, this is kind of encouraging to me. It sounds crazy, but it's encouraging to me. Jesus couldn't even carry his own cross by himself. Even he needed help. And that gives me hope for the cross that I have to carry. And you're like, well, Pastor Greg, come on. What kind of cross do you have to carry? We all carry crosses, don't we? We all carry burdens. We all have things in our life. We all have failures. We all have, we all have stuff that we're dealing with. We all have tragedies that we go through. There's all kinds of things as we walk on this life. You and I need to understand. Amen? You're at the crossroads, and, and, and you know, you need help sometimes. That's the first thing you need to understand. You need help. If Jesus needed help, you need help. And that's a beautiful, incredible thought. Jesus is inviting us onto an ancient path, and he's telling us, guys, you don't have to carry the cross, the burden of this life alone. Listen to what he says in Matthew 11. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, what is he talking about the yoke? You know, there was a pair of oxen. When they would plow a field, there would be a yoke that would be placed upon them, and they would pull together in order to carry that burden, and you could adjust the yoke so that the stronger animal could take the greater load. Jesus is offering to do life together with you. You see, the yoke is like the cross. Are you following me? You've got to pull. You've got to live this life. But Jesus is saying, if you will come to me, my burden will make it light. I will take the greater load. This is the invitation. This is the ancient path. This is the good way. He's inviting people in and he's saying, come, come and do life together with me. Well, Pastor Greg, who's invited? Well, the invitation is for everyone. 
I, I was asking, why is, why is Simon in the story? What, what's going on? You know, his name is interesting. His name is Simon. His first son's Rufus, and his second son is Alexander. Now, why is that unique? Well, Simon is, the Hebrew, is a Hebrew name. Rufus is a Latin name, and Alexander is a Greek name. These three languages, these three groups of people represent the known world around Jerusalem. Are you following what I'm saying? Basically, why God picked that man to carry the cross, he was showing the universality of the gospel. He was saying this is a gospel that is open to every single human being. And, and this is the message that was being proclaimed. Even when they crucified Jesus Christ, do you know that they wrote his name on the top of the cross? This is the king of the Jews, Jesus from Nazareth. And they wrote it in those three languages, Hebrew, Latin, Greek. They wanted the whole world to know who this man was. He wasn't just the king of the Jews. He was offering to be the king of your life and my life. This is the invitation of the cross. We're standing at the crossroads and Jesus is basically saying the door is open. The door is open. You know, many scholars believe that the reason Simon's name and his kids' names are listed is that he became a believer. He became a believer. It's the only explanation as to why we remember his name in the story. And this is why this is written in, written in there. So he was this innocent bystander, but suddenly he found himself thrust into the midst of the story as he stood at the crossroads and he said, this is a good man. I want to know him and have a relationship with him. Powerful. You know, I was thinking to myself, how famous do you think Simon was? I mean, if he showed up at church today, and the guy who carried Jesus' cross was here. I'd be saying, let's give it up for Simon, everybody. Simon, come and preach, Simon. Tell us, tell us what it was like. Tell us what it was like to carry the cross of Jesus Christ. Did he say anything to you? What was it, what was it like? What was that moment like? Were you afraid? Can you, you imagine? This guy was a rock star. Now, why am I telling you that? Do you know that you're... Life and my life, we're not meant to do it alone. We're meant to do it with help. And we're to carry one another's crosses. That's what the Bible actually says. Carry each other's burdens in Galatians 6.2. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know that heaven is watching you and I? And it's sitting there and it's ready to applaud us. There's a great cloud of witnesses that if you will live your life and say, you know what, I'm going to help others to live life. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. The greatest devastation of COVID was not COVID. It was the devastation against community. And so now we have a chance. The church has a chance. You have a chance to say, you know what? Forget about all the stuff. Forget about the divisions that were caused in homes and in, in communities and in nations. We're coming together. We're carrying each other's burdens. We're living in community. We're loving one another. Yeah. Hallelujah. You got all that from the first, I know Jesus has things in the Bible that are like incredible. It's like a treasure trove of stuff. So we're walking along the crossroads now. We come in contact with the first intersection and, and we, meet, we, meet, we meet Rufus, we meet Alexander, we meet Simon. And we're realizing we're invited on the journey. And then we come to the next crossroads, which is Jesus at the crossroads. Let's read the scripture of the story. When they had crucified him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. 
Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you were going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and then we'll start to believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults upon him. Guys, how many know this is like, if you're ever like wanting to be a leader in life, Jesus is like, at this moment, the worst possible picture of what a leader looks like. Everybody has abandoned him. His own followers aren't even following him now. There's only a few women and one disciple who actually go to the cross. All the rest have scattered. And it seems like his message is lost. It's like, oh my gosh, not how to win friends and influence people. This is not it, Jesus. He just seems like he's missed something. He's missed the mark. And I can't imagine for John, the apostle, and the few faithful women who were there watching this, Imagine watching the one who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who loved the unlovely, who brought in the marginalized, who cared for those who were broken and hurt. Incredible story. You know, the Bible actually has in Psalm 22, this incredible psalm, which was written a thousand years before the crucifixion. A thousand years before Jesus was crucified. This was written 700 years before crucifixion even existed as a form of punishment. Listen to this scripture, which is a prophetic scripture talking about Jesus. It says, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garments. It's a thousand years before. How many of you know the cross has something to say? God prophesied, said this is coming. This is going to happen. This is an incredible moment in the history of mankind. And it can be an incredible moment in your life and in your history. We're standing at the crossroads. The criminals mocked him. The Roman soldiers mocked him. Those, the religious leaders who betrayed him mocked him. Everybody, he seems abandoned by everybody. There's just a few faithful followers. Jesus is on the cross, this horrific terrible experience of crucifixion which i won't get into the details but you have to understand the romans designed this to be the most horrific way you could die in order to keep people in line if you you feared the roman roman power and you feared the cross when you would go into the cities that were under roman power and control there would be people lined up all the way along on crosses so you would realize i am not going to step out of line here i'm going to stay in the line and here's that moment where we're standing at the crossroads again and we're seeing, but Jesus is not thinking like a normal person. He's on the cross and understand just to get a breath, he has to push up on his feet on the pins, the nails in his feet, just to gain air into his lungs. And then he speaks and he speaks seven words from the cross. We're only going to look at two of them today. But I want you to get how they impact your life and my life. The first words he speaks are, woman, behold your son son your mother imagine mary 
standing there looking at her son, her beloved son, who did all these good and awesome, incredible things, and the people that he did it for have mocked him, jeered him, and finally crucified him. And Jesus is not concerned about himself, but he sees his mom. How many of you know Jesus is concerned about you and your losses and your pain and the things you go through? This is the picture that he sees as he's on the cross and standing at the crossroads. He invites you and I to come to this place. You know, Jesus, it talks about him. Why would he do that? Again, to call us back to community and love and care for one another. Why would Jesus go to the cross? Listen to Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I ask you a question? You know the answer. What did Jesus have after the cross that he didn't have before? He had the love of God. He had the affirmation of the Father. He was the creator and sustainer of life. He, he, was, he, was, he was awesome in every way. He was worshipped in eternity past. But what did he gain at the cross that he didn't have before? Turn to the person next to you and say, you. You. He gained me. He made a way. He stood at the crossroads, you guys, and he offered me, Greg Fraser, an ancient path. And he said, won't you come? Won't you come into a relationship with me? Won't you come and, and come and let me carry your burdens with you? Won't you come and give me your life and let me love you and live with you? You were the prize and the trophy at the end of the cross. See, when we, this is beautiful, we were on his mind when he was on the cross. Can you imagine Jesus looked through history and he saw the millions and millions and millions of people. This loser of a leader whom everybody abandoned now is the central figure of humanity. And everyone who looks to him and says, I'm going to believe you and trust in you. Wow. They were on his mind. Then he speaks another word from the cross. After all, everyone's mocked him and jeered him, and even the criminals crucified with him were jeering him. He says these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Wow. That's something that the soldiers who've probably crucified hundreds of people have never heard. What they've heard is they've heard people cursing them. They've heard people saying, kill me now. They've heard people begging for mercy, but they've never heard somebody say, Father, forgive them. And so it, I want you to understand something. It actually makes them so upset. And the religious leaders get upset as well. They're like, forgive us. Save yourself. If you're the savior, if you're so cool, if you're so awesome, get down off the cross. They won't believe you. Hmm, okay. Give me three days. Amen? Everyone's jeering him. Everyone's... The hardened soldiers, guys, I can't imagine this. The hardened soldiers who 
have, like I said, crucified hundreds. They, they're, they're not used to this, but we know that this effect that Jesus, the words that Jesus speaks has an effect on them even. Because this is what the soldiers say. Listen, you can read it yourself in, in the Gospels. It says, when the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely this was the Son of God. Because when Jesus was crucified, the sky went black, the curtain was torn in the temple, opening and exposing access to God, and the ground shaked and quaked. And these men who had crucified hundreds before, who were mocking and jeering Jesus, are now saying, oh my gosh, surely this was the Son of God. But no more so than we see it as we move on from the crossroads and we saw Jesus, we came to the crossroads and we're seeing this picture and we're seeing how Jesus responds at the crossroads, but we keep walking along the crossroads and there's two people that I think speak to us more than any others and this is the criminals at the crossroads. See, one is crucified on his right and one is crucified on his left and they start by both jeering him and mocking him and, and calling him out, but something begins to change. Something changes. Let me read it from another gospel. I'm going to only read a portion. It's not going to come on your screen, then the rest will. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. But one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since we're under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our sins and our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. <laughs> We're standing at the crossroads. These two guys who are about to die, one of them still sees only the temporal benefit. Take us down from the cross and take yourself down. But the other one, suddenly something changes in his heart. Something changes in his life. Something changes in his, his thinking. He's, he realizes God is holy. God is good. I fall short, but yet here's God sitting right next to me on the cross. And, and, and he turns to him in that moment and he says, I need your help. I need your help at the crossroads. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus. What a picture. And so it leaves us standing at the crossroads. And really the question that leaves you and I standing at this place is which criminal are we? Are we the one that's just looking for a temporary relief from the problems in my life? Or are we the one that's saying, I see the bigger picture and I want to walk with you no matter what life brings me? It's a hard road, the cross. You know, it's one of the most incredible stories of faith in the Bible. This guy, to me, is the first guy after Jesus I want to meet when I go to heaven. Not yet, Lord. Just, <laughs> But that's okay, too. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Betty, you got a good insurance policy. You're okay, honey bear. <laughs> she gave me the thumbs up. I'm not sure what that means, but... Uh, 
it's a whole other sermon right there. <laughs> you follow me? We got a choice, guys. We're at the crossroads. And the two criminals, one is choosing to not see and hear what Jesus has said, and one is choosing to hear and see what Jesus said. To me, this guy is incredible. I want to meet him when I go to heaven. Because he's utterly guilty. He knows he is. I, I, what I find amazing about him, he can't get down off the cross and earn his salvation. There's nothing he can do. He, he's about to die. <laughs> he is guilty of what he's been charged with. He's literally dying. And he looks at Jesus and he says to the guy being crucified next to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom. <laughs> wow. What a picture of faith for you and I. Why am I telling you this? You can't earn your salvation, you guys. You're not good enough. Doesn't matter what church you go to. Doesn't matter how many good works you do. You're not good enough. You're guilty. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short. And yet God offers us salvation. A good and beautiful path with a good and beautiful God. Hallelujah. Which criminal are you? The band's going to come back and we're going to close in just a moment. 24 years ago, I was at my sister-in-law's baptism service eight days before my 21st birthday. I was at a church like this, and I, I, I grew up kind of not in a church like this, and I told you I was a C&E Catholic, I, you know, Christmas and Easter, that was all I did, and, uh, you know, I just thought that was enough, and then I go to this service, and suddenly this guy's preaching, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I love God, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, I'm here, and I'm clapping with everybody, and they're, they're all excited like you guys were today, and maybe there's somebody here, you're like, well, these guys are kind of freaky, I remember I was there, Okay. <laughs> Who are these freaky people? What are they getting so excited about? They're, they're whistling in church. Like, this is wrong. I grew up Catholic where you didn't speak out loud in church unless you were dying. And even then, exit first, then speak. Okay? Just saying. So I had two aunts that are nuns. I'm serious. Okay? Like, this is Catholic. Catholic. Okay? And you with me? But here we are. We're in, I'm in this service. And suddenly, something happens I can't even explain. I literally look around the room and everybody in the room looks perfectly pure and glowingly holy. And I remember saying to myself, these are the holiest people on earth. How haven't I seen them walking around on the street? And I knew I was a black dot on a white page. And that old preacher, Albert Lindoff Sr., literally 700 people in church my brother is sitting next to me that he started to point right at me and preach right at me my brother started to slide away from me on the pew i was alone 700 people and this old guy he's like young man the spirit of god is on you and he's calling you and i'm like okay man whatever i need to do i'm at the crossroads and i want to follow god and i did Thank you.
I, I prayed the most pathetic prayer you could ever pray, but I was still saved. I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. Amen. And that was it. And my life changed from that point on. Has it been perfect? No, there's been crosses to carry. There's been burdens in my life. But I'm telling you, I don't carry them alone. I carry them with Jesus, my Lord and Savior. And I carry them with the body of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So here you are today. Is it homecoming day? Is it the day that you stand at the crossroads and you say, God, I want to have a relationship with you? You know, there's a story of a young man. He's called the prodigal in the Bible. And in, in this story of the prodigal son, he takes his inheritance and he spends it on riotous living. He lives like the devil. And then he comes to his senses. He runs out of money. He's starving to death. And he says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to my father's house and say, Father, just make me a slave. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I finally come to my senses. And he's walking to the road. He's practicing his speech. God, make me a slave. God, make me a slave. Our father, make me a slave. The father sees him and he runs out, runs, hikes up his thing because he's got a little skirt on. He doesn't have socks like me. He's running toward him and he embraces the young man. He begins to kiss him and, he, and he, the young man starts his speech. Father, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Make me, and he's like, no, bring a ring and put it on his finger. This is my son. He's come home. Put the sandals on his feet. Cover him in a new robe, a robe of righteousness for he was dead and now he's alive again. Won't you come home? Hallelujah. telling you the father the father has run to meet you he's run to meet you today he's run to meet you on the road and he's embracing you and he's saying welcome home but you got to take that last step you got to come to your senses and say god i want to stand at the crossroads and i want to walk on the ancient path the path with god and for God. So why don't you bow your heads with me right now. If you're watching online, there's a prayer we're going to pray in a moment. But every person in this room, like myself, when I was a young man, 21 years old, I had to make a decision. And the weight of the world was on my hand. And when I lifted up, that weight came off and went somewhere else. If that's you here today, listen to me. Be bold. Do not walk away today. Come home to the Father. Come home to His love. Come home to his mercy. He wants to do life together with you. If that is you here today, like myself, I had to raise that hand and say, I'm that person. Today, if that's you, wave at me. Give me a wave and say, Pastor Greg, I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart. I'm asking him to forgive my sins. I'm asking him to live with me. Yes, 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 I see your hands. Other others, will, yes, I see your hands. Other others that will join these that have raised their hands. Give me a wave so I can see you. Hallelujah. Yes, I see your hands. I see your hand in the back. If you're watching online, I see your hand in the back. I, if you're watching online right now, just say to God, God, forgive me. God, come and live with me. We're going to pray a prayer. Every one of you that just raised your hands, or if you've ever raised your hand, let's pray it together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Now help me to live with him and for him and with his community of faith in jesus name amen let's give these people a hand clap today hallelujah